We took a look at the Apostle Peter this morning and his experiences as a fisherman, literally. And we see where the Lord had told him and Andrew and James and John and others to come follow me and I'll make you become fishers of men. In John chapter 21, where we concluded, we find where the Lord had fed his disciples with the fish that he had on the coals there on the shore of the Sea of Galilee. They said, come and dine, and then the Lord fed them. But then the Lord turned his attention to Peter specifically, and he said unto Peter, Peter, lovest thou me more than these? And there have been a lot of opinions as to what more than these meant. Uh, was he talking about the other disciples? Was he talking about even the fish there or whatever, his occupation? But the point here, regardless of what that might mean exactly, is the Lord is asking for the depth of Peter's love. He says, Peter, lovest thou me more than these? And Peter said, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. Now, there's two words for love in the scriptures. One is agapio and one is filio. And both of these words are actually translated love here in the uh, next few verses. He says, lovest thou me more than these? And Peter said, Lord, thou knowest all things. Thou, thou knowest that I love thee. Probably didn't take Peter back too much when the Lord asked him that. He had gone fishing again after the Lord told him to, you know, follow him, make him become fishers of men. And it seemed like the Lord had to get that lesson across to him more than one occasion. But then he asked Peter again the second time. He says, Peter, lovest thou me more than these? And Peter says, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. And then he asked him the third time. But before that, he says, well, feed my sheep. First time, feed my lambs. And then second time, feed my sheep. So he asked him a third time. Peter, lovest thou me more than these? And this grieved the apostle Peter. And he said, Lord, thou knowest all things. You know, Lord, you know the answer to that question. Why have you asked me this thing three times? He said, well, you feed my lambs. That's what I've called you to do is to feed my lambs and feed my sheep. Now, you know, in Peter's experience prior to the cross, he had denied the Lord three times. When they arrested the Lord in the Garden of Gethsemane, the apostle Peter had actually pulled out his sword and cut off the ear of the servant of the high priest, and the Lord Jesus Christ rebuked him for that. He says, he that liveth by the sword shall die by the sword. And the Lord took the ear of the servant of the high priest and put it back up on the side of the man's head and healed him, showing his compassion. This was an enemy now. This was a, a Roman soldier. This was an enemy. But he showed his compassion, showed his power, and, and showed that he didn't need Peter's sword to begin with. Remember, he said, if I, if I was to mine too, I could call upon my father, and he'd send 12 legions of angels at this time. A legion 6,000. He said, the Lord... My father would send 72,000 angels to take care of this situation if I so desired to call upon him. But the Lord's goal, of course, and objective was to go all the way to Calvary. That's why in Isaiah we find the expression, he set his face like a flint, steadfastly to go there. He came to do the Father's will, and that was to save his people from their sins. And he came to save a people that's identified in the scriptures over and over again, the Old and New Testament, very consistently, as being sheep. The 100th Psalm, he said, you know, know ye the Lord. It is he that has made us and not we ourselves. 
We are his people and the sheep of his pastor. Of all the animals of God's creation, he chose sheep to compare his children to. And, and there's a reason for that. If you, you study sheep, you're going to find there's a lot of characteristics of sheep and the Lord's people kind of go hand in hand together. But in Isaiah chapter 40 and verse 12, a prophecy of the Lord went like this. He says, he shall come with strong hand and his arm shall rule for him. It says, he shall gather his lambs in his bosom and draw them close with his arm. It says, his reward is with him and his work is before him. Notice again, Isaiah pictures him as a shepherd. A shepherd of compassion and love for his sheep as he gathers the little lamb and draws him up into his bosom. As he takes his arm and, and puts him around the sheep and keeps them safe from harm from the predators that are always out there. And sheep have many predators and they're defenseless. They have to have a shepherd to watch over them. They have to have a shepherd to keep them, uh, to pro provide for them, to lead them and guide them and take care of them. And so this comes over into the picture of the Lord's church in New Testament day. Look in Acts chapter 20. Uh, we find where Paul is speaking to the elders of Ephesus. And he says to take the oversight of the flock. He says that you are to feed the flock of God which he hath purchased with his own blood. Take heed to yourself and the flock which the Holy Ghost hath made you the overseer of. Now, every pastor that pastors a church is a, like an under-shepherd, and if he's in the right place, uh, then he, the Holy Ghost has made him the overseer of that flock. But when a church without a pastor, they are to always diligently pray to the Lord for guidance and who to call. They're into a season of prayer. They're to pray earnestly and fervently until such time as God manifests, magnifies, and directs them in that decision. And when that takes place, God working on both ends of the line, then you have the meaning of this verse here. Take heed to yourselves, shepherds, and to the flock which the Holy Ghost hath made you the overseer of, and feed the flock of God which he hath purchased with his own blood. He purchased a people that's referred to here as a flock, sheep. Now you come to 1 Peter chapter 5. And of course, Peter is the human writer of this letter in this chapter. And he says to the elders, he says, feed the flock of God which is among you. Now Paul told the elders of Ephesus to feed the flock. Peter says here, feed the flock which is among you. Now let's get the picture. Do you ever see a shepherd it, you know, way away from the flock, you do not. When you see a picture of a shepherd and sheep, they're always together. A shepherd must stay in close proximity to the flock. Otherwise, the predator will just have free course and just come in and take a lamb, take a sheep. Remember the psalmist David when he was keeping his father's sheep? Uh, in the beginning, a bear tried to get one of the lambs and then a lion tried to get a lamb. But David being the special person he was, had the courage and the strength to go after that lamb, uh, that, uh, well, after the lamb that the bear had taken, that lion had taken, and he slew the bear, he slew the lamb, and re the, the lion, rather, and rescued the lamb and brought it back. Now, it's easy to read that story and, and have a good feeling about it, but think a little bit about that. Now, you got a flock of sheep and a lion. I'm not talking about a, 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 you know, a house cat. 
comes in to try to take one of the lambs. You're talking about a lion. David could have very easily said, well, that's a lion, you know. I, I don't want to lose a lamb, but I don't want to lose my life either. But he didn't do that. He went after the lion. He slew the lion and brought the lamb back. A bear came. He done the very same thing to the bear. He slew the bear. Now, David's a picture of the Lord Jesus Christ in many ways. And right here, you should see that. The Lord Jesus Christ came and rescued his sheep. He delivered his sheep in his death, burial, and resurrection. Just like David was determined not to lose one lamb, the Lord Jesus Christ has not lost one lamb, one sheep for whom all Christ died for will be in glory someday. What a shepherd we've got. That's why he's referred to as the good shepherd. We'll say more about that in just a moment too, perhaps. But we see again where Peter says, feed the flock of God which is among you, taking the oversight thereof. There again, you have the picture of the overseer. That word for overseer is superintendent. He doesn't own the flock. He's just over the flock, watching the flock for someone else. Like David was watching his father's sheep, his father's flock. Taking the oversight thereof, not by constraint, but willingly. Not for filthy lucre's sake, but for ready mind. He tells you how not to take it, how to take it. And then he says, when the chief shepherd shall appear. When the chief shepherd, he's talking about now the Lord Jesus Christ, not some man, he's talking about Christ. So feed the flock of God which is among you, taking the oversight thereof, not by constraint, but willing, not for fifth of Luke's sake, but for ready mind. You, know, you do this thing willingly. You're not doing it for, uh, you know, any other reason, that, any other motive, but you're doing it because the Lord has placed it upon the shepherd's heart to take care of the sheep. All the way through the scriptures we're referred to that. So the Lord's telling Peter, I have some sheep, and among those sheep, some of them are lambs. I want you to feed my lambs and feed my sheep. Peter denied the Lord three times, and now the Lord has him to confess him three times. Three times he says, Lord, I love thee, and I knowest all things. You know that I love thee, but Peter, you know, again, earlier, not much earlier, just 40-some days earlier, perhaps, he denied the Lord Jesus Christ three times when they took him uh, there from the garden of Gethsemane. But the Lord asked him three times, three questions, and we find the Apostle Peter responding in the way that he did. Now, when the Lord sent his apostles out in Matthew chapter 10, he says, Go ye to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Among the nation of the Jews, they were lost in terms of, uh, you know, following biblical tradition more than they did the word of God. Uh, they were not prepared when the Messiah came. John the Baptist came, make ready a people prepared of the Lord. But uh, so many refused to acknowledge him as the Messiah. But he sent those disciples out, those apostles, to feed the flock of God. And they were not to go to the Gentiles, whether Samaritans or others, to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. They were sheep, but they were lost sheep. They were lost sheep, but still they were sheep. <laughs> just because a sheep is lost doesn't make him not a sheep, you see. He's just a lost sheep. That's what the Lord was teaching in the parable over in the Gospel of Luke. If a man have a hundred sheep and he lose one. He goes after that one sheep. You see how intimate this bond is, how intimate this relationship is between a shepherd and a sheep. You won't find it in any other occupation. You won't find that in a rancher and cattle. You know, you, you drive cattle, but you lead sheep. And a, a, a rancher is not going to risk his life for a calf or a, cow, uh, a cow like a shepherd will risk his life for a lamb and for sheep. So the Lord's people are sheep. 
And this man had 100 of them, and he lost one. So what did he do? Well, at least 99, that's still a pretty good-sized flock, right? You just, you've only lost 1%, one out of 100. But no, he went and sought that lost sheep and found that sheep and brought it back. And every, he rejoiced. He wanted other people to rejoice. He told other people about it. And everybody's rejoicing at the return of the lost sheep. Peter, lovest thou me more than these? Feed my lamb. Feed my sheep. Feed my sheep. See, a diet for sheep is a lot different than a diet of a goat. You know, sometimes people buy some land and uh, they may, it may be in the rough, so to speak, and there's briars and uh, brambles and everything else. You know what they do sometimes? They get several goats and put in there, and after a while, the goats will clean it all up. <laughs> They'll just eat it. It'll just clean it up. It's amazing what a, a good job goats can do in cleaning up an acre of land or some property, but you don't put sheep in there to do that. No, you don't. Let's look at Psalms 23 just for a second. The Lord is what? My shepherd. Now, the Lord is our God. The Lord is our Heavenly Father. But here he says, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. That means I shall not be lacking. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down where in green pastures. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. The feeding of green pastures and lie down beside the still waters. Waters that are still and not troubled. Sheep don't like trouble. Sheep don't like to be disturbed. Sheep, sheep like, to, like peace. They, they, like to, they like to graze the grass in the morning time and lay down at noon and they chew the cud and they enjoy what they've been grazing in the morning. See, that's just like old Baptists. They go to a morning service and they feed and feed and they eat lunch and then they come in after lunch and they just want to kind of chew the cud. <laughs> Sometimes. Anyway. <laughs> But this is what sheep do. This is one reason I encourage people to read the Bible, do their Bible reading first thing in the morning. There's several reasons for that. One, if you read it first thing in the morning, you've got it accomplished. You've got it done. You don't have to worry about something else coming in the way and getting in the way as the day goes on. You don't have to worry about, uh, you know, getting sidetracked and distracted as the day goes on. First thing you know, you sit down, it's 9 or 10 o'clock at night, and you think, well, I hadn't done my Bible reading, but now I'm too weary, I'm too tired, I'm too sleepy. I'll just make up for it tomorrow. Next thing you know, you drop a day behind, and you drop two days behind. Next thing you know, you're a week behind. Next thing you just drop out. <laughs> Read it first thing in the morning. Another benefit of that is the fact that you have gotten off to a good start. What, what better start could you have than you just talk with God? You just read His Word, You've read what he has pinned down for you to read, you know, from time to time, uh, whatever portion you might be in. You've read his word that gets you in contact with heaven, contact with God. It puts wonderful thoughts into your head, wonderful thoughts into your mind. And then as the day goes on, you've got something maybe to reflect on, to meditate on, to chew on, to chew the cud on as the day goes on, you see. And it can stir your mind. And that helps put in your mind when your mind is fresh. I'll tell you what, if you want to try to memorize the scripture, you better do it in the morning, not at nighttime. Do it early in the day, not about the time you get ready to go to bed. <laughs> and do it early in your life. Instead of waiting, you know, on down the road, along the journey. And so read it in the morning. Sheep like to graze in the morning time. And as the day goes on, then they can relax and they lie down beside the still waters. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leaves beside the still waters. 
He restoreth my soul. That's a picture of a lamb or a sheep that has fallen into a ravine, into a ditch. And usually because of the weight of their wool and one thing or another, they can wind up upside down on their back with the four feet sticking straight up in the air. And if a shepherd doesn't come by pretty soon, they're just easy prey for the predator. But the shepherd, realizing one's missing, goes looking for him. And there he finds him. And he takes him by the legs and he pulls him over and sets him up and gets him out of there. That's the picture that David's talking about when he says, He restoreth my soul. He leads me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil. Thy rod and thy staff doth comfort me. The rod and the staff of the shepherd are very symbolic of the shepherd's care of sheep. He has a rod that he uses sometimes for discipline for the sheep, but a rod also for their protection. And a staff in the, in the shepherd's hand is used, the crook of that uh, uh, staff oftentimes is used to reach down there and put it around the neck of a little lamb and pull that lamb to him or pull that sheep out of that ravine that I was talking about a while ago. And two very useful things that the shepherd has. He's very good with that rod, by the way. He can even throw that rod, and he's get, becomes, he works on that to become an excellent marksman because it's his duty and responsibility to protect his sheep. Now, you don't see a shepherd going around with bows and arrows. You don't see a shepherd going around with a spear and a shield and a sword. He goes around with a rod and a staff. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. When the sheep see the shepherd, he's got the rod and the staff in his hands. It brings comfort to him. Thou anointest my head with oil. Oftentimes a shepherd has to do that to help prevent parasites and insects and one thing or another getting into the, into the wool around the eyes of the sheep and in his head and one thing and another. Uh, sometimes the sheep may bump his head on a tree and, and you know, have a bare spot there and he puts that oil on his head. Thou anointest my head with oil. He's, he, he has to be a physician to the sheep. <laughs> he has to be a lot of things. To the sheep as the shepherd. Thou knowest my head with oil. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. There's 150 Psalms, none any more well known than Psalms 23. When the Lord comes back again, we read this in Matthew chapter 25. It says, The Lord shall come as King of glory. He shall be as a shepherd which divided his sheep from the goats. He'll put his sheep on the right hand and the goats on the left. Sheep and goats are not the same animals. Goats are not disobedient sheep. Goats are goats. <laughs> goats are not a picture of the elect family of God. Sheep are. Go to John chapter 10. Jesus said in verse 11, I am the good shepherd and a good shepherd laid down his life what? for the sheep, not the goats, for the sheep. That's why he says, what, what you got if you baptize a goat? You got a wet goat. That's what you got. That's all you got. It's just a wet goat. In other words, if the goat symbolized the unsaved, and you got to be baptized, and somebody baptizes somebody that's unsaved and who's a picture of a goat, all you got is a wet goat. That's all you got. Nothing's changed. He's still a goat. He's just wet. So he should be like a shepherd. Divide his sheep from the goats. You'll put his sheep, notice his sheep, from the goats. The goats never were his, and the sheep never were the, they're always a his. He shall put his sheep on the right hand and the goats on the left. Then he'll say this to the sheep, Come ye blessed to my Father. Inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. 
For when I was hungry, you fed me. When I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink. When I was uh, in prison, you visited me. When I was sick, you ministered to me, etc. And they said, when do we do these things? The Lord said, if you've done it, at least one of my little ones, you've, you've done it unto me. That's why it's so important that we be kind one to another and that we love one another and that we are long-suffering with one another and we forbear one another. Because ever how you react to one of God's little children, it's exactly like you're doing it to the Lord Jesus Christ himself. We'd always keep that in mind. It would help us bite our tongue from time to time and, and correct some of the things that we do if we just keep that in mind. So in the end, there's going to be sheep on the right and there's going to be goats on the left. And the sheep are going to inherit the kingdom prepared for them from the foundation of the world. So the food for sheep is different than the food for goats. What the church rejoices in, the world will turn their nose up at. What the church rejoices in and feeds upon and strengthens our heart and soul and lifts their spirit to the world is nothing but foolishness and they care nothing for it. They don't have an appetite for it. You've got to have an appetite for the gospel. You've got to have an appetite for the written word of God. That's why the Lord said, Bless those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. So what, what's your appetite today? You know, sheep... Sheep don't feed on the things of goats. That's why the Lord said to Peter, feed my lambs and feed my sheep. There's sheep food, Peter. And Peter took that seriously from that moment forward. And the Peter you see after the crucifixion, the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ, after this, actually this experience in John 21, is like a totally different man when you start reading about him in the book of Acts. And he's the predominant apostle and figure in the book of Acts through the first 12 chapters. He went about doing what the Lord told him, feeding his lambs and feeding his sheep. That's what gospel ministers do. They want to feed the lambs and they want to feed the sheep. You know, when you're real young, um, your diet may not be the same as it is when you get a little older. Your diet may need to change with time. And the diet of little, little babies is not going to be the same as diets of adults but the appetite of sheep, lambs and sheep, for the most part, they're, they're the same. You know? And he said, you feed my lambs and you feed my sheep. And Peter was converted, I believe. And that's when the Lord told him, you know, earlier it says, Peter, Simon Peter, I have prayed for thee, for Satan had desired to have thee and sift thee as wheat. But I have prayed for thee, and when thou art converted, you go and strengthen the brethren. Peter began to do that in the book of Acts. I have been strengthened by Peter's life. I've been strengthened by Peter's writings and Peter's preaching ever since I started studying the Bible seriously. He's still strengthening the brethren today through 1 Peter and 2 Peter and his life. You know, Peter is one of the most interesting characters in the Bible without a question. <laughs> Peter was uh, always quick to speak one thing and another, uh, and, and he was sincere. I don't have any question about that. But you find him in a different, totally different manner once you start in the book of Acts you did in the first part of that. And a lot of that had to do with Acts, John 21. There are some people who believe that John 21 was an appendix that was added later on to the Gospel of John, but you hear everything. That's not true. It was all written at the same time. Uh, but John 21 is important from the standpoint it sets up the fact that Peter uh, was converted and Peter, uh, you know, was, was being 
blessed of the Lord and the Lord dealt with him so that he would be the apostle he needed to be starting after his ascension to heaven in Acts chapter 1. Feed my lambs and feed my sheep. The food of the gospel is for the living and it's not for the dead.